Good morning, happy Monday, January 18th, and welcome to Every Day's a Holiday, a daily podcast calendar giving you a reason to celebrate every day of the year. Today's holiday is not only Martin Luther King Jr. Day, the Monday that follows Reverend Dr. King's birthday, but it's also Winnie the Pooh Day in honor of A.A. Milne's birthday in 1882. A.A. Milne is the writer who brought us the story of Winnie the Pooh. Pooh Bear is a fictional character inspired by a black bear named Winnie. Winnie lived in the London Zoo during World War I. A.A. Milne's son, Christopher Robin Milne, would often visit this bear and loved her so much that he named his own teddy bear after her. There was also a swan at that same zoo whom Christopher had named Pooh, and then he also tacked that name onto his teddy bear as well. The friendship between Milne's son and his teddy bear inspired the collection of books starting with Winnie the Pooh in 1926. Cartoonist E.H. Shepard illustrated the books and brought life to the Pooh Bear that we all know and love. Pooh and his friends adventured through the Hundred Acre Woods, and we adventured alongside them in their stories. Each beloved character plays an important role in the books. Owl stood for wisdom, Rabbit often led the group awry or provoked a celebration, Piglet was the timid, adorable best friend, Eeyore inspired all of us to develop a dry sense of humor and adopt sarcasm as a second language. And of course, there's T I double G R, our favorite bouncy, trouncy, flouncy, pouncy, fun, 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 fun pal. The point is, Winnie the Pooh brought us some of our favorite childhood friends, and today is a day to celebrate them all and the lessons they taught us. In the 1960s, the Disney company bought the rights to the Winnie the Pooh characters and changed the illustrations up a little. Disney brought the characters to life with the first animated Winnie the Pooh feature, Winnie the Pooh and the Blustery Day, on December 20th, 1968. And then, on June 4th, 1999, Disney Parks and Resorts brought the Hundred Acre Wood crew physically to life with the first installment of the Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh attraction at Disneyland. The ride brings you through scenes such as a blustery day in the Hundred Acre Wood, a rainy place, bounce along with Tigger, and then the dreaded Heffalumps and Woozles acid trip that we all know and have nightmares of, finally ending with a scene of Pooh's birthday party. How fun! Anyway, Milne's Pooh Bear stories have been translated into over 50 languages and are considered classic children's stories today. National Winnie the Pooh Day has been celebrated since at least 1986, after three Winnie the Pooh films had been released, and it is observed across the United States. So, how do we celebrate Winnie the Pooh Day? Well, you could snuggle up with your favorite Pooh Bear book, movie, etc., grab a pot of honey, and indulge in the best stories from your childhood. You can also share your favorite Pooh Bear adventures or quotes on Instagram. There are so many. One of my personal favorites is, If you live to be a hundred, I want to be a hundred minus one day, so I never have to live without you. Or... Sometimes the smallest things take up the most room in your heart. Another way to celebrate is to join the National World War I Museum for a virtual lunchtime chat about the author A.A. Milne, who also happened to fight as a soldier in World War I. It's free to attend when you RSVP, so if you're listening to the podcast before noon today, check in to the lunchtime chat at my.theworldwar.org slash 7699, or just Google World War I Museum A.A. Milne, M-I-L-N-E, to find the link. 
And as always, you can post to social media using the hashtag WinnieThePooDay. Now, let's take a look back through the years to see what happened on this day in history. On this day, 110 years ago, the first aircraft landing on a ship's flight deck was performed by American pilot Eugene Eli on the battleship Pennsylvania in San Francisco Bay. Eugene Burton Eli made the first successful landing and takeoff from a naval vessel. Taking off from a ship is one thing, but landing is quite another thing. Eli and his team were scheduled to fly to San Francisco in January, so it was there that the historic event would happen. Eli had made an attempt once before in Virginia on November 14, 1910, but it did not go so well. The airplane plunged downward as soon as it cleared the 83-foot platform runway, and the aircraft wheels dipped into the water before rising. Eli's goggles were covered with ocean spray, so he promptly landed on a nearby beach rather than circling the harbor to land in the Navy Yard as originally planned. For his second attempt, he would have a longer platform in place at 120 feet long, along with ropes and sandbags stretched across to serve as a crude arresting system for the landing. There was also a canvas awning at the end of the runway to catch the plane if the sandbags and ropes didn't work. The plane also had longer wings and hooks added to the landing gear. Eli showed up on the morning of January 18th, 1911, wearing a padded football helmet and bicycle inner tubes around his body, in case anything went wrong. Yeah, cause that sounds super safe. Crowds lined the shores and boats collected in the harbor to witness the landing attempt. And at 11am, Eli took off from the nearby Tanferin racetrack and headed for the battleship Pennsylvania. Luckily, this time around, Eli accomplished his mission with a safe landing. The ropes and sandbags had worked perfectly to bring the plane to a halt. After a quick lunch with the ship's captain and a bunch of photo ops, the platform on the Pennsylvania was cleared and was pointed windward. Eli then took off from the ship's runway, flew past the crowd, and landed safely back at the Tanferin racetrack. Thus, on this day, naval aviation was born. Now it's time to commemorate the births and deaths of famous or infamous individuals in our next segment, Life and Legacy. Today we celebrate the 35th birthday of Eugene Lee Yang. Eugene was born on January 18, 1986 in Pflugerville, Texas. He is a South Korean-American filmmaker, actor, producer, author, director, activist, and internet celebrity. He is best known for his work with BuzzFeed from 2013 to 2018, and for being one quarter of the four-man YouTube sensation, The Try Guys. He's also known for his work with various human rights and LGBTQ advocacy charities, such as The Trevor Project. Yang studied cinema production at the University of Southern California, USC, from 2004 to 2008, and began his career in film thereafter. On June 15, 2019, Yang publicized his homosexuality in a video titled I'm Gay, which he wrote, directed, and choreographed with the song A Moment Apart by Odessa. The video has 18 million views and it nearly broke the internet when it was released, probably because it was such a well-produced coming out video. So happy birthday to Eugene Yang and thanks for your support and activism for the LGBTQ community. Today also marks the 159th anniversary of the death of the 10th President of the United States, John Tyler. John Tyler died on January 18, 1862 in Richmond, Virginia. 
John Tyler had previously attended the College of William and Mary studying law. He was raised to believe that the Constitution must be strictly construed and never wavered from his position. He served in the House of Representatives from 1816 to 1821. He voted against most nationalist legislation and opposed the Missouri Compromise. He later left the House to serve as Governor of Virginia. The Whig political party nominated Tyler for vice president in 1840, hoping for support from the southern state's writers who could not stomach Jacksonian democracy. This worked as Tyler ended up in the White House in more ways than was intended. Because, you see, Tyler became the 10th president of the United States after serving only a short term as vice president when his old running mate, William Henry Harrison, died mid-office in April 1841. John Tyler was the first vice president to succeed to the presidency due to the death of his predecessor. The circumstances behind his elevation to president earned him the nickname His Accidency by his detractors. Once in office, many Americans felt that John Tyler lacked the temperament and political skills to be chief executive. In effect, William Henry Harrison's death had demonstrated the true importance of having a vice president who actually was qualified for the presidency. According to some historians, Tyler's greatest contribution to the office was his claim that he had the right to a fully functioning and empowered presidency instead of relinquishing the office or accepting limits on his powers. This behavior set the president to establish the critical checks and balances system and led to the Senate's first veto override. The University of Virginia's Miller Center of Public Affairs had this to say in an article titled John Tyler, Impact and Legacy. Once in office, he refused to politically compromise his positions with Congress, a vital presidential skill. Even leaders of his own party were frustrated by his stubbornness. In most cases, vice presidents who assume the presidency have been successful when they have made a strong effort to make good on their predecessor's promises, as Truman did with those of Roosevelt's and Johnson did with Kennedy's. Those who deviate from the policies of the man who was elected often come to political grief. John Tyler died on January 18, 1862 in Richmond, Virginia. Throughout his life, Tyler had suffered from poor health and as he aged, he suffered more frequently from colds during the winter. On January 12th, after complaining of chills and dizziness, he vomited and collapsed. And despite treatment, his health failed to improve. So he made plans to return home to Sherwood Forest by January 18th. As he lay in bed the night before, he began to suffocate, and his wife, Julia, summoned the doctor. Just after midnight, Tyler took a sip of brandy and told his doctor, Doctor, I am going. To which the doctor replied, I sure hope not, sir. Tyler then said, Perhaps it is best. He died shortly thereafter, most likely due to a stroke at 71 years old. Lastly, let's find out what listeners like you are celebrating today in our final segment, Listener Celebrations. Today, Daniel and Adam are celebrating their seventh wedding anniversary. I hope you two and your little one are all doing well. Congrats on seven years, and I hope you guys have a great day. Thank you for sharing your celebrations with us. And if you are celebrating anything like a birthday or an anniversary or any special occasion, please shoot me a message at everydaysaholidaypod on Instagram. Thank you for joining me in today's celebrations. 
Special thanks to Kristen Bradley for assisting in research for this episode, and AJ Curtin for composing the music for Every Day's a Holiday. Please rate and review Every Day's a Holiday on Apple or Google Podcasts to let me know what you think of the show, and tune in tomorrow morning to see what there is to celebrate on January 19th. Enjoy today, and catch you tomorrow.